Welcome back to the California Work Comp Report. We are continuing our series on the Hamlin STEM Start program with a very special guest, Bruce Bolin of Hamlin University, who will be telling us a little bit about his role in spearheading the project with Dr. John Alchemy and the other students, faculty, alumni, and the other general people involved with the program. Without further ado, here's the interview. And we are here in the studio today with Bruce Bolin of Hamlin University. How are you today, Bruce? Very good. And we are we are continuing our series on the uh, Hamlin STEM Start program, which we had talked about a little before with Dr. John Alchemy. Bruce is another spearhead of the program, and we're going to be getting a little information about him and his involvement with the program and learning just a bit more as we as we continue our meta series about the Hamlin STEM Start program with this series of podcasts that we'll be doing with Bruce. So taking off with the first question here, Bruce, tell us a little bit about your background in physics, your PhD work, and when you came to Hamlin, and as well, if you could tell us a little bit about your uh, present title in the department in which you work. Yeah, sure. Um, So my background in physics, so I did do an undergraduate degree in physics at what used to be called Southwest Missouri State University. Now it's Missouri State University. Um, Did minors in math and music because those are my big fan of those two as well. And then did a a master's degree in experimental condensed matter physics at Iowa State. And finally, PhD from the University of Missouri in, in Columbia, Missouri. So, and the PhD was in theoretical plasma physics. Um, So, and I've been at Hamlin since 2002. So I'm finishing my 21st year there and currently at the rank of full professor. It's quite a a series of titles you've got, uh, you know, under your belt. (laughs) So we talked a little about this last time with Dr. Alchemy, but what is the STEM start program and why did the team deem it necessary to start it up or to get it going? Yeah, well, STEM Start is a brand new program that provides free tutoring for middle and high school students in STEM fields. Um, the tutors will be primarily Hamlin undergraduate STEM students, but Hamlin STEM faculty will be involved as well. And frankly, one of the main goals of the program is to help build confidence in students who are interested in STEM fields but may not feel that they're cut out for careers in such fields. That's um, kind of a thing that's happening with a lot of students. You'll see a word that I see thrown around a lot is imposter syndrome or something where right. people clearly intelligent and fully prepared people enter certain fields and they just feel like they're not meant for it. Maybe their expectation, they're, they're not meeting their own expectations or maybe their expectations going into it were unrealistic and they don't have the experience to know that you're not supposed to feel a hundred thousand percent comfortable and confident as soon as you hit things. And I think almost the fear of that thing happening is keeping people from going into things in the first place sometimes. So, right. And a lot of times you'll hear, a lot of times you'll hear uh, students to say flat out that I'm not a science person. I'm not a math person. And I think part of it is that, you know, nowadays, people often like kind of instant gratification and certain things like, you know, if you're trying to learn how to play a difficult instrument, you know, it takes time. It takes that time and effort and a lot of energy and patience and 
yeah. and perseverance. And so um, physics and math and chemistry, biology, those, you know, all these STEM fields are a lot like that. that it takes it takes perseverance. It doesn't just come instantly to most people. Right. You know, I I saw something fascinating recently, and it was it related to learning piano, actually, which was something that I was trying to do. And I was kind of reading a bunch of kind of online articles trying to teach myself. I wasn't taking any lessons or playing, paying for it or anything. But somebody who was a piano teacher wrote an article on their own blog. It was just tucked away in a corner of the internet and I saw it. And it was interesting because he said that the way that he noticed that newer students were trying to learn piano was similar to the way that you play video games, which is which was an interesting postulation, because kind of what he said was that when you play a video game, you're going up to a certain point at sort of a the same speed and pace, and then you hit the same wall, and then you, you know, you die or you fall off a cliff or whatever, and then you have to start from the beginning, and then you go at the same pace, and then, you know, that and there are students that are kind of expecting that out of a style of learning when really I this I think this applies to what we're talking about as well. But for piano, you know, you have the luxury since you're in the real world in real time of slowing down and and doing right. things at, at your own pace. Right. And I think that that I mean, not everybody who is having these difficulties or playing video games and that that might not apply to everything. But there is a very certain distorted sense of pace that I think comes from this digital world we live in where things are instant like you said instant gratification and everything and um it it's very disorienting in a way right yeah there's also there's also the problem that a lot of people are get convinced that they understand something when they watch somebody else do it yes but they don't really understand it unless they can do it themselves and i use learning an instrument or playing a sport as examples of this, oftentimes in my general physics class, I'll say, you know, how many of you are on the football team? Usually I have a few people on the football team. Right. And I talk, talk about how you often watch videos. You watch, you know, watch videos of the plays you're supposed to do. You watch videos of the what the other team did in their previous game, things like that. Right. But I tell them you can watch videos all day long. If you don't get out on the, on the field and practice, you're not going to be any good at it. And so a lot of students... And it's the same thing with learning an instrument. A lot of students, though, will spend a lot of time watching videos of problem solving in physics or chemistry, and and they'll think that that's studying. And it's, right. it can be somewhat beneficial, but they don't do the extra, the extra step of, of working problems themselves. And so right. that's they get a misconception that they've learned something when they've just followed somebody else doing it. Right, right. It's like people who can listen to somebody speak a language and know what they're saying, but they can't, you know, kind of have difficulty saying it or things like that. So we've, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but what are your three biggest concerns about students um, with science and education as you see it? So I would say um, one would be kind of communication and trust with kind of the community in general. I'll come back to that here in a second. Another would be resources. And finally, like I was just talking about a few minutes ago, perseverance. So the first one, communication and trust. Um, 
I feel like many of the world's most pressing concerns, like the COVID pandemic, climate change, yeah. can really only be addressed with a concerted effort by those in STEM fields, because they're mm -hmm. the ones that are going to have to do the research to actually solve the problems. Exactly. And those outside of them, for example, people in politics and the media, because without good communication and trust between the the science scientists and the non-scientific communities, it's not going to happen. True. So we need both that communication and the trust that, you know, the, that uh, the science aren't just trying to take over the world. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but then right. uh, yeah. in terms of resources, uh, STEM education, whether you're talking the K through 12 level, the undergraduate level or beyond, does require more resources than many other fields. And this can be a deterrent to a lot of the academic administrators, but they should really look at the extra resources needed as an investment not yeah. just an extra cost, but an investment in the future. Yeah. And then fi finally, the third one, perseverance, um, kind of like I was talking about a few minutes ago, but students in STEM fields often experience failure much more than those in many other fields, especially when you're doing research and or right. laboratory work. Right. Um, and it's important that students learn perseverance without getting frustrated because almost all of the great innovations in history have resulted from hard work and a whole lot of failure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the the bedrock of many of the scientific discoveries that we have. I mean, if yeah. something works on the first try, then you often don't learn anything and you can't right. really can't really exactly. work on those things. So and oftentimes, you know, students in the introductory labs. They want things to work the very first time, and mm -hmm. they they feel like they're not learning as much if it's not working. But yeah. you, those same students, though, years later, they'll talk about, oh, I remember this mistake I made in lab. I can't believe I did that. You know, And it's the mistakes that you really learn from and that you remember. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is, I mean, that is a life lesson right there. That is kind of one of the main things of whether you're in STEM or whether you're just living life you know failure is one of the greatest teachers that there is so right. yeah so what are the critical ages for math and science learning yeah that's that's one i'm not sure i'll have an answer that you'll like but i would say that math and science lear learning is important at all ages yeah <laughs> um, even when you're adults because you know being able to read read things in the newspaper and understand whether the statistics are relevant. Okay. Understand whether, you know, how, how reasonable is the argument, you know, right, it, right. it's really important at, at uh, advanced ages as well. Right. Um, but I would argue that it's very, very important at a, from a young age um, because if you think about children, they always want to know how everything works. Yeah. One kind of unfortunate drawback to formal education as soon as they're in a classroom is you're told to be quiet, right? Yeah, you're told to, to not to not talk too much, not ask, you know, you can ask a few questions, but not ask too many questions. Right. And they're used to asking all these questions. How does a rainbow work? Why is the sky blue? All sorts of things like that. Right. And they're kind of taught to quit asking those questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's you're, you're not following the curriculum. So, you know, be quiet. You'll learn that eventually. Right. And you're not right. curious about it anymore. Right. <laughs> so 
so I think from the time you're born to the time you die, <laughs> yeah. they're all ages for math and science learning. Right, right, right. And there's, I think that, I, I, I think that kind of the in the time that you're in school, the kind of the time in which relevant to the program is a critical time for math and science learning. It's 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 critical because that's the age where a lot of people are stepping out into the world and making that decision to go into this field, even though a lot of people don't know you have your whole life in front of you when you graduate high school, you're going to college, you know, but but a lot of people feel that imperative need to go into a field, decide on something to do. And that it is a really good time to catch people in their in their math and science um you know, the, the time in which they can learn those things because at least they're primed to be thinking about it. Um yeah. so um <clears throat> what are the biggest hurdles and traps for first year college students who are going into STEM? Yeah, that's a great question. I've I would say the biggest trap I have experienced that at least the biggest trap that uh, people don't usually think about ahead of time is I see a lot of students try to ease into college and, and take a fairly light load their first semester, mm. but they don't recognize that, especially when they're, you know, they're no longer, most of them no longer living at home. Right. And they don't have somebody watching over them, making sure they're they're keeping up with their homework and studying for exams. Um, the the study habits you develop in that first semester often carry through. It's going to require a lot of effort to change yeah. the study habits. You know, you've already gotten your group of friends. You you know, if you start hanging out, doing things every night of the week, then once you if you take a light load the first semester and then a heavier one the second semester. You've already kind of you're you're set in your ways basically, right. so that's one big trap I see is just making sure that first semester isn't unbearable, but it's not too easy either. Yeah, but, but I guess in general, I would say just developing those good study habits. You know, and, I mean, and, and mm -hmm. at the same time, though, not 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 feeling like the A in every class is the end goal. The education is the goal. Right. You don't have to get an A in every single class. Right. So some people get way too stressed out about that. Right. I think that students that are going into college kind of have to shift their understanding of what they're going to school for. You know, a lot of people are their motivation is to sort of please the overlords when they're in high school to, to right. get the A so the parents are okay with it and stuff. And I mean, once you're in college, it's all on you. It's your motivation is yourself, your future, things you're you're learning. The, the, you know that I mean, really the the sort of the illumination of your own mind that that's what the shift of importance should be to when you when you yeah. begin school as a college student. So yeah, uh, and often, mm -hmm. oftentimes, like if I'm looking at you know prospective students that are applying for a scholarship, you know I get worried when I see somebody with a four point in high school. <laughs> Or, you know, and if they've already they've got a four point in college and they're, you know, applying for a scholarship. Right. Because sometimes you've, you've got to worry, you now did this person only take classes that were, they knew they could get an A in? Did they <laughs> challenge themselves? And so I I honestly, a lot of times like to see three, seven, three, eight, more than 4.0. Right. So, you know, 4.0 just makes you want to look back at it and see, 
okay, did they take some really rigorous courses or was it just to get that grade point? Because the, the education should not be for the grade point. Right. Brings up other questions too. Like, was the teacher going too easy on you? Was the, right. you know, was the school even, was the school teaching you anything? Um, right. right, right. So the last question that we have here is, you know, it's kind of relevant to the greater thing that we've been talking about, which is just building a, a force of STEM for the new generation that are going to tackle the problems that, that we're very kind of, uh, that we're presented with today with a urgency in a certain way. And um, the question being, why should other schools and teaching institutions take notice of the Hamlin STEM start program? Yeah. Uh, so basically I'd say, you know, what we're trying to do with STEM start is not just get the credit ourselves, but just start something that we think is good for the community, good right. for the students, good for the, for the science future. So, um, it's intended, like I mentioned before, to help middle and high school students prepare for college careers in STEM fields, but also to build the confidence that they're able to pursue those kind of careers. Right. So we really hope that this program inspires other schools to create similar programs to help promote STEM education in general. Because it's, uh, you know, our future, I mean, it, it, it almost, it, it would sound ridiculous to say this 10 years ago almost or something like that but our future depends on the stem students you know i mean it might not have even sounded ridiculous 10 years ago to say it but now it sounds once again imperative to say it it's it's, yeah so i i look forward to the outcome of the program i think it's going to do very well for the students and um bruce thank you for coming on the show thank you very much Thanks for listening. For more information about the Hamlin STEM Start program, visit hamlinstemstart.com at H-A-M-L-I-N-E-S-T-E-M-S-T-A-R-T dot com. And for more about RateFast Workers' Compensation Impairment Report Writing Service, visit us at rate-fast.com. And to learn even more about RateFast and Workers' Comp in general, visit our blog at blog.rate-fast.com. And, hey, if you have any questions about workers' compensation, or you would like to submit an idea or even be on the show, feel free to email us at caworkcompreport at rate-fast.com. We'll see you next time.